about graduation. There you go. I was telling about graduation, helping somebody down the steps. Good morning. Oh, man, that's terrible. Are we just going to grind through it today and go to lunch? Or Good morning. It's spring break. Man, what incredible attendance. Josh and I were guessing, I guess there'd be 20 of you here today. Uh, Josh was scared to guess, you know, when you have spring break, throw in time change. Isn't that a, isn't that a wonderful experience to lose an hour today? Let it be 30 degrees that morning and then send a team to Brazil. And what do you have? A Baptist church limping along is what you have. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here today and uh, we're going to take some time. We uh, sent a group of great folks off yesterday to Brazil uh, as you know, we're on three, really, really we're on three and a half continents right now. We uh, are in Slovenia, 10-year partnership with them. We're in Malawi almost every year if COVID is, is not abounding. And in Brazil uh, every year. And then uh, we've got uh, every third year we're over in New Guinea. And we've got uh, boots on the ground this week in Brazil with one of our teams. And so I just want us to take time. I mean, <laughs> just being transparent with you. You know, for a lot of people in the church, it's like, yeah, some people are in Brazil. But, you, you know, for those travelers and for their families, man, this is, this is a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal for the students that get to, you know, getting to go and their parents trusting them with us. It's a big deal for the adults on the trip, um, all, the, all the things going on. And so I just kind of old-fashioned. I believe in prayer. Anybody else believe in prayer with me here? Okay, good. A few Assembly of God folks here, great. But uh, I just, I believe in prayer. So let's take a moment. Would you pray silently and just ask God over these next couple minutes, God, would you protect them? Would you use them? Would you empower them? And then I'm gonna close our prayer time. Let's pray for our team in Brazil. Lord, we just rejoiced in the last few hours to hear that our team had arrived safely and you've already answered the first set of our prayers that for traveling safety and just taking care of the team and getting them to their location. And Father, we just thank you. We don't take that lightly with planes and traffic and all the different things to clear customs, especially now with COVID tests and all the things that have to go on. Father, I just thank you for getting them to the location where we sense that you are calling us. And Father, as they're resting and about to, a couple hours ahead of us and about to embark on some activities this afternoon and evening, and just pray for them and pray that they can get some rest this morning and kind of recoup and recover and be ready for an incredible week. And Father, we pray for their effectiveness. Very few 
in our church saw three months of Tuesdays. Every Tuesday evening, that group gathering to be able to learn more effectively how to share their faith and share the gospel, to gather to understand certain customs, to gather to understand traveling plans and all the dimensions that go along with being effective. And Father, for them to give up three months ahead of the trip every Tuesday evening to prepare for this, Father, we know this was a tremendous commitment. Thank you for the students that headed that way that uh, gave up their entire spring break week to just be a missionary in residence in Brazil. Thank you for the men and women that went along with them. And Father, again, we pray for effectiveness. Would you do the work that you have equipped them to do and that you desire to be done through them? And Father, we ask also that you return them back to us safely. Would you watch over every dimension of their travel coming home? And Father, as we pray throughout this week, maybe the lunch hour when we reflect on them and we stop and we pause and we pray, or maybe in the evening before we go to bed, just wondering how our Brazil team is doing. Father, I pray that you would take those prayers and that again, it would allow you, our God, to understand how important these individuals are to us and how important the mission that they're attempting to accomplish for you, how important that really is to us. Thank you again for their willingness. Thank you for their faithfulness. And these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, uh, just gonna share with you a little heart-to-heart here for a few moments about something. But before we get there, I'm excited for you because in about 22 minutes, our building uh, committee chairman is gonna arrive and he has some exciting things to show you at the end of our service today. You look around this room, many of you are brand new to our church. You, you don't really know what mission we're on. God's called us to, us to a very specific mission. And so in a condensed form, in about 11 or 12 minutes, you're going to be able to see the new uh, facility. You're, you're going to be able to learn more about the timetable of the new facility. And uh, anyway, it's just an incredible presentation with lots of good information. And so that's going to help you. And so I'm excited that you're going to be able to see that in just a few moments. Uh, I think that information uh, will, will, will really go a long way for you to better understand kind of what's going to unfold with us over the next several uh, months and years to come. Also next week, I'm excited about starting to take you through the book of Colossians. Man, I am a teacher at heart. And on Wednesday mornings, I mean, when you light my fire, just give me a book of the Bible to teach and get out of the way. And for us, God's led us to the book of Colossians. And so we'll be launching into that next week and we'll be there for a while. But today, uh, I wanna take you back to something that's very important. And that is something that our church has been focusing on this month. In fact, each month we're gonna focus on a different dimension in the realm of what we call consistency. One of the things, and I can't speak for other churches, I'm not a part of another church. My membership lies here. This is where God's called me to shepherd. So for me in my house, I put my energy here. I, I, I couldn't tell you what the spiritual condition is of other churches. But for the folks that I am connected to in the Oakland Heights realm, I know one of the things that all of us have struggled with is being consistent. You know, there's times that our prayer lives are really, really strong. And there's other times, man, we just get a little busy and they're not as strong. There's some times, for instance, that our ability to spend quiet time with the Lord 
and spend some time in renewal, which we're going to talk about today, is really strong and at other times it's non-existent. And so over the course of this year, one of the things that we're doing is taking a different element that we're really going to focus on in each given month to really see if God will do something throughout that month to kind of help propel us with some really refined intensity to be stronger in that area. But more importantly, when that, when that month is up and we go to the next topic, we, we stay consistent in that realm. We've got uh, basketball coaches here today and roofers here today, people in construction, lawyers here today, CEO of Steel Company. I mean, we've got all different kinds of people here today, but in each one of our realms, there's certain fundamentals. If we start over here with the coach, if it's in the basketball realm, every single practice, you start with the fundamentals. Whether you're doing figure eights, dribbling, shooting, the basics, passing, all, all those things. The fundamentals, you never get away from them. If you're in the roofing area, day, objective every day is find the next job, find the next job. But, but certainly, you don't go anywhere until you pick the shingles up. I mean, that's where it all starts. But in the Christian life, we are talking about this picture of renewal that comes from time in God's word. There's no substitute for those kind of things in our lives. Every day we need to be spending some time with our God and every single day we need to be spending some time in the word. One of the things You'd have to talk to Becky, my wife, after the service about this. Either I've been cursed with or blessed with. However you look at it, is I can read a room. I mean, I just, I, 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 I can read a room. There are times that you don't say a word and it's scary. I, I can look at Sam Garrison, I know what he's thinking, and that's really scary. It's really even more scarier for him, but he just doesn't know it. But as I've been talking about renewal to our church family, I can read in, in many of your hearts, that doesn't light my fire. That's not that important. I can sense it from our students and kind of how they're watching me and how they're reacting. I can, I can sense it from the adult population, like this renewal. <laughs> okay, that's kind of a cool thing, renewal, but why is that so important? So just heart to heart this morning with you. I want you to understand that there's two dimensions in our lives that occur all the time. That you and I have, in one of those dimensions, tremendous control over and the other, very little control over. Two things that are happening to us in one of those is called life experiences. Every single day, you and I encounter certain kind of life experiences. Some of those are negative. Some of those experiences are painful. Becky, my wife teaches in, in a middle school setting. We used to call it junior high. I guess that's really old school. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, anybody that would work with sixth and seventh graders has a screw loose to begin with. I mean, that's the toughest age. You know what I'm saying? Bodies changing, hormones changing. Give me an elementary student any day or a high school student any day. But middle school, dude, man, that, those are some funky folks at funky times. 
You know, I mean, we're at the, you know, one pimple is, is just overload for you. You know what I'm saying? He likes me. The sixth graders are still writing notes. Like, if you like me, check this box and say yes. You know, there's all that kind of stuff going on. And the eighth graders, I mean, I mean, that's a whole different world. But she was coming in and she, she was telling me, I'm just so glad it's spring break. She was in overload when she came in Friday. So glad it was spring break. I'm over it. I'm sick of it. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about your day. She said, I only have to tell you one thing that you can understand understand fully cheerleader tryouts are you with me and it's like yes and she said you know they're posting that and they do that right before spring break so all the tears will go away in that week when we're gone and girls are coming in they're crying I can't find my shoes the, the judges scored me wrong they didn't like me and and they're spraying suntan lotion stuff and color on their legs and it was like a freaky show she said but, uh, you know, there are things that happen to us in life that, hey, we just have no control over. And many of them bring pain. Many of them bring dejection. Many of them bring in our lives a sense of loneliness and hurt and discouragement. There are those moments in life when people are dishonest with us. We didn't ask for that. But there it is. And so you and I, whether we like it or not, every single day that we live, are living in a world that there are things that are happening, things that are occurring. And many times it's our reaction to those things that we just get to the the point where we say, we're not going to put up with this, we quit, we don't have to stay here, whatever it may be. And the result of that is we we just want to give up, we want to surrender, we want to throw in the towel. The other thing that's going on that we have tremendous control over is our sin and transgression. It doesn't take us very long when we come to know Christ to figure out something. We really need the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen to that? Because we disappoint ourselves. Some in this room are committing the same sin over and over and over and over again. Every month, I talk to a young man that doesn't even live in this state by phone or by Zoom or Skype. That is if somebody can set it up for me where I can figure out how to navigate it. That has been battling the same porn issue for now three years of his life. And I just can't tell you how big of an issue that is, especially in his life. I mean, We went through a cycle, there were seven months that he stayed away from that stuff, only to return to it. And and, and it's such a house of shame for him. He has to sneak around and look and finds himself going back to it. And then the whole cycle again, I'll never do that again. Man, that's that's betrayal of my wife, that's betrayal of everybody else. And I'm talking to him three, three, almost almost four states away uh, because he doesn't want anybody else to know. He's embarrassed with his church setting. He's he's embarrassed in his family circles. He's embarrassed of all the friends that he has. And so I'm probably the only safe environment that he has being that far away from him. But you know, we all find ourselves in those situations where we sin, we transgress, we misstep, and many times it's such a disappointment, not just to God and not to the individuals many times that our sins impact, but to us and our own heart, we're broken about it. It's just a tough, tough deal. And what I'm wanting to do is just lay a case for you down, just head up with you today, 
about really if you're going to take this journey of discipleship, you've got to understand how important renewal is. Now, if we just look it up on our phones and the dictionary, the old school way of opening the dictionary, it, it'll just tell you renewal by definition is nothing more than reassuming an activity. Did you get that? Reassuming an activity. It'll go on to tell you by definition, uh, activity or a state after an interruption. Yeah, sin, sin will bring some interruptions in your life. Yeah, just you walking through life not doing anything, you're going to have some interruptions that you never saw coming. And that's why I just, if I could do anything as your pastor today, if I could just bring you to the place where you're willing to say, hey, the most important thing that I can do in the Christian life is to spend time with the Lord and spend time in his word. If I could just get you there, it would be monumental. Well, pastor, how do you know we're not there? Well, maybe some of you are there. Maybe some of you are there intermittently. Maybe some of you are not there at all. But when you put those two things side by side, the world and all the challenges that they're offering, and then who we are inside, and we, we learn quickly, those sins go with us. They move with us. The baggage goes with us. When we go into a marriage, we bring all that baggage with us. When we go into a new job, we bring all the baggage. When we go into a new church setting, we bring all of our baggage with us. And it's that ability to allow God to transform us rid our lives of certain baggage that we can never rid ourselves of on our own. There's the big challenge. For you to finally get to the point in your life where you say, you know what, I can't control my tongue. I've tried. And without starting my day with the Lord, I'll never be able to control my tongue on my own. It's only the Lord that controls my tongue. Man, that's a huge step forward. You know what, pastor? I can never be the parent I need to be without the Lord. I can never be the wife, pastor, that I can be without the Lord. I can, never, I can never handle finances the way I need to handle them biblically without the Lord. It's a, it's a student that's here today to say, you know, I can never keep my hormones and my desires in check without the Lord. I mean, it's, I mean, it's all of those things put together. So we're going to jot down some things because I want you to understand and we're just going to just hit the tip of the iceberg today what the Bible says about renewal because so many people don't understand that's what the Lord desires to do, to renew you, to bring you back from an interrupted state to a place that's good, wholesome, strong, biblical, a place where, hey, you're functional and effective for him. That's what he desires. He wants to take you in a broken state and bring you into an effective state. But you've got to be willing to give up two very important dimensions. We talked about last week, that first battle every morning, the mind over mattress. You've got to be willing to spend the time with him and the time in his word. If you're willing to do those two things and commit to that, great things are gonna start happening in your life. 
Over and over our Bibles tell us that. Over and over, over other believers tell us that. But more importantly, God's word teaches us that. So I just want to jot down something very important, and I hope I've laid enough groundwork for you to agree with me. Renewal and restoration are not luxuries in our life. They are essentials. They're not luxuries like, oh man, it was a great morning. I had, I had 10 minutes to spend in quiet time. Wow, <laughs> what a luxury, huh? No, no, no. Hey man, that's just essential. I mean, every single day it's essential that you do that. What does the Bible say now? And let's just jot them down. Some things that our Bible says that God renews in us. The number one topic in your Bible when it comes to renewal is around one subject. It's the renewal, jot this down, of the mind. God, in his word, talks about the renewal of mind more than renewal of anything else. Maybe the chief cornerstone of all passages is that passage in Romans 12. Do you remember it? Verses 1 and 2 that says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And the hub is what? Right here in verse number 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And here's, and here's the key, isn't it? By the transforming of your mind. There's God at work in our minds. Then he says, you'll be able to what? You'll be able to test. You'll, you'll be able to approve of what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. About three weeks ago, I was part of a funeral for a family here in our community. It happened to be a big funeral, by the way. You don't ever know about those things, but I mean, there were probably 300 people at this funeral. And after the funeral, I don't know, a couple days passed and the daughter of one of, of, of this deceased gentleman that I was, had the opportunity to be a part and minister to this family, she called and wanted an appointment to office. And I thought, well, that's a little odd. But anyway, so yeah, come on up, man, I'm here. No need to make an appointment. Just come on and we'll talk. And she said, oh, I'm only gonna take just a second. And it only took a second because she, she just wanted to tell me one thing. She said, Pastor, I just wanna apologize to you. I said, apologize? And she said, yes, I wasn't myself. I said, well, man, you've been through life throwing you a death here that you weren't expecting. I mean, what else would I expect of you to be a little off your game, you know? I mean, it was a hurtful, painful thing, for not, for just, not for you, but for your family. But I didn't notice anything. She said, Pastor, I wasn't thinking straight. She said, I, 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 did not, I didn't treat you well. I didn't treat my family well. I didn't treat anyone well. And she says, I, I just wanted to come by and let you know we're just so thankful for your ministry and what you did and the words that you shared and how the church responded. I mean, she, she was so kind and, and uh, just, just so full of grace about it. But, you know, a, 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 as she left, I was just reminded, we all go through these points and times, and here's the East Texas way of saying that, you're not thinking straight. It's in that first moment when the husband tells her there, there have been affairs. And she's so angry. <laughs> After she gets out of kicking him out, it's like, now, what do I do now? It's like the whole mind is in high gear. It's in those moments when we get a phone call that alters our whole life. I'm telling you, in those kind of moments, our minds need a tune-up from God. 
It's in those moments when you and I sin and transgress that we come back and it's out of that guilt and shame and many times, here's the, here's the book on it, concealing and hiding. That our minds need some significant renewal from our Lord. I don't have to convince you of this. I can just tell by the way you're looking, you buy into this. You understand how important it is because many of you felt those kind of painful moments. You've walked through those moments of shame and guilt, those moments when you've disappointed others, you've disappointed your God, but maybe the most hurtful, you've disappointed yourself and you're still carrying that baggage. You're still going back to that same transgression, that same sin, and, and you're starting to understand that's a part of who I am. And unless somebody intervenes greater than myself and gets rid of that stuff for me and helps me, I'm gonna keep carrying it. How long do I have to carry this stuff around? So there's a renewal of minds. Now write this down. There's also renewal of the spirit of our, of, of our minds. Now, this is fascinating to me. In your Bibles, go with me quickly. It's worth the turn. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 22. We're right in the middle of a section where Paul's talking about put off. Put off all that old stuff. Here's the new self. And Paul says something remarkable right in the middle of that list. In Ephesians 4, verses 22, 23, and 24, listen to what Paul says. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, before you were saved, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new. There it is. Some of you have a translation that says to be made or, or not to be made, but to be renewed in the, NIV says, in the attitude, King James, ASV, and some others revise, say, in the spirit of your minds. And then to put on a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The very spirit of your mind. You say, well, now wait, wait, pastor, I understand the mind, kind of what I'm thinking. What, what exactly is Paul describing here by the spirit of our minds or as the, and maybe the NIV helps us give an insight into this. The NIV says the attitude of your mind. And your pastor has taught you two things over and over and over. So much that you're tired of hearing them, but at least you know them. He's taught you, number one, how you focus is always how you finish. He's also taught you the most important decision you make every single day is the attitude that you choose to begin the day with. And no one can choose that attitude but you. You've got the choice of any attitude. I mean, it, it can be a terrible day, a bleak day, a terrible, I mean, a, a, a horrible day. I can just tell it's gonna be a horrible day. Okay, you're choosing, you're setting the tone. You're, you've selected, I guess it's gonna be a bad day. That's why I come and say, hey, how you doing today? Good morning. <sighs> you choose when you come in here what kind of attitude you're gonna have. Well, same old pastor. I, I bet he's going to be long-winded again. What's he going to say today? I mean, you choose that. Or you come and you say, man, I'm excited today. I'm going to learn at least one new thing from God's Word. I don't care how much energy it takes me. I don't care if it takes me giving up my 28-minute nap. I don't care about that. I'm going to find at least one new thing that God's going to teach me today. And, I, and I'm going to be locked in. And I'm going to get it. I hope he teaches me more. But I'm going to learn at least. See, there's two vast differences in those. If you and I could take a little telescope 
Well, we don't even need that. If we, if we could just review the footage from all the cameras around the church campus, every parking lot. Many of you are young families. Just how you get out of your car with your kids. Shoes flying everywhere, people screaming, clothes, oh, a banana that's been in the back seat for four days falls out on the ground. I mean, I mean, there's one group coming in. It's the hillbillies arriving for church. And there's others. I mean, you, you can just tell by the persona, the attitude. So when you spend time with God and you connect his word to it, he goes to work first on a mind to help you think straight, but he also goes to work on the spirit of that mind, the attitude of that mind. Shot a third thing that your Bible says, and you know this one, God also renews our strength. Is there anywhere better than Isaiah 40 when it comes just to talking sheer strength? I mean, those moments when we're exhausted. I talk to a lot of young moms in this service right here. Man, I have the utmost respect for you. Especially if your husband's not sharing a portion of the house responsibilities with you. Now go ahead and give him the elbow right now. I mean, many of you working inside and outside the home. I mean, I mean it's amazing. But all of us get to that point. In fact, the writer in Isaiah points out not old people like me, but he points out young people. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 40, verses 29 and following. He says, he gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. But listen to who he points out. Even youths. Hey, the youth department gets tired, he says. Are you kidding me? I mean, they get tired? Yes. And he goes on to say, hey, even the young men, they stumble and fall. But those that hope in the Lord, they renew, there it is, renewal. They, he renews their strength. And then he uses that, what imagery? They're like eagles. He brings them from being in total exhaustion to the point where, hey, they'll, they'll run, they won't grow weary, they walk, but they won't faint. What a great picture of strength. We all need that from time to time. And you would never think that when you, when you get up a little extra early or you invest that time in God's word, you invest that time in him, you never think that it's going to relate to the physical. But God is doing a total makeover of us, man. Our minds, our attitudes, the spirit of the mind, our physical strength, number four, he also renews our steadfast spirit. Our steadfast spirit. Now let me define that for you before we read this from the scripture. What do we mean by a steadfast spirit? A spirit that's not fluctuating up or down. Erratic, if you will. We, we don't want to be a part of that kind of life. Up one day, down the next. Immovable spirit. A confident but not arrogant spirit. A fixed in purpose and resolution kind of spirit. I jotted down one of the greatest moments in all the Bible. Psalm 51. David's confessional. David's crying out to God, and he says this in Psalm 51.10. You know this verse, create in me what? And a, a pure heart. And then he says, and renew in me, here it is, a steadfast spirit within me. See, David understood something. He understood of what happened when he took that one lustful look from a rooftop at a woman bathing. I mean, he went from a look to lust. From lust to adultery. From adultery to murder. From murder to the death of a little bitty baby. 
that wasn't responsible for any of it. And I think looking at that little baby's dead body, David came back to the point and saying, dude, I'm never gonna get rid of this baggage in my life. Baggage goes with me wherever I go, even when I try to conceal it. You see, when we spend time with the Lord and say, Lord, we know part of what you're gonna do this morning and every morning of my life when I really commit this time to you is you're gonna be renewing something in me. You're gonna be bringing me back to a place. You're gonna allow me to be starting over. You're gonna give me a fresh start, a clean start, and you're gonna empower that. You're gonna be doing a work in my mind. And what I'm asking you, and here's what David asked, he didn't say, oh God, would you help me make the pain stop? God, would you allow me to pick the right kind of flowers out for the, for the headstone of where, where my adulterous child lays now? No, he, he, it's interesting. David says, hey, if you go back to the very root of this, God, what I'm asking you, what I'm asking you is would you give me a steadfast spirit? It's these mornings that I didn't spend time with you that really get me in trouble. It's when I really get in big difficulty. Next thing, renewal of the inner self. The Bible says there's a renewal of the inner self. You know this verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly, you remember this, you're wasting away, but inwardly, you're being renewed day by day. All of us need a place. For me, it's when the farm gate is locked. I'm able, as the sun's coming up, to look out those huge plate glass windows over the little bar sea farm that we have. A few deer out there. There's just a little fog in the ground. Fish are just starting to move over in the pond. Before anybody else gets up, it's incredible. Before you get up in front of hundreds of people, Stream for another, who, who knows how many? I mean, man, that's, that's, that's where the sermons are really birthed. That's where the power of life really is. It's not when you step up on a platform or a stage. It's not gift and eloquence. It's not the great closing illustration. No, no, no. The power is in the boiler room. Because you see, outwardly, we're all headed to the same place we're all headed to the same place and that is in the ground, but not the, not the soul. We know that's gonna live on forever. We're gonna get new bodies. But here on planet Earth, the real boiler room of a great marriage, the boiler room of a great man, a, a boiler room of an incredibly committed student, a great policeman, a great roofer, a great coach, a great attorney, where those are really the boiler room and the power of that, it all starts out in the quietness of just in humility coming before the Lord and starting your day off with him and saying, no, Lord, it's gonna be a crazy one. But I'm gonna start this thing off before any classes today, for any jobs, for any calls. I'm not gonna pick up my phone first in the mornings. First thing I'm gonna pick up is a copy of your word that I, it's been waiting for me all night. 
In these moments, I'm going to guard and I'm going to keep carefully before me. Did you know that renewal has a cousin in the Bible by the name of revive? 67 times in your Bible, New and Old Testament, the word revive is used. And when you scrape out the ones where revive is used in, in, in linkage to someone coming back from life, and you really get down to just the spiritual development, the book of Psalms is the king. Renewal and revive, two cousins in the Bible. The psalmist wrote all kinds of things about this concept of renewal and revive. Psalm 13, three, Lord, re re revive me or I'm gonna die. Psalm 85, six, revive me, Lord, or I'll never be able to rejoice. He says, all my joy will be gone. Psalm 119, 25, Lord, my soul, listen to this, clings to the dust. It's so dirty. Would you revive me? Psalm 143, 11, the psalmist says, my Lord, re re revive me, bring my soul out of trouble. Psalm 119, 107 says, I'm so severely, severely afflicted. I, I'm so sick. Lord, would you revive me? What can a pastor do to convince you to help prompt you to make this commitment. It is essential. One of my favorite preachers of all time was nicknamed, or he is at least in the preaching world, as the prince of all preachers. His name is Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He was acclaimed in the late 1800s to be the greatest of all preachers. In fact, when you go back, he's again given that title, the Prince of Preachers. One of the young men that really kind of, in his own words, got under his skin was a young surgeon that was coming to the Metropolitan House when he was, Spurgeon was preaching to thousands of people, but he got to know this young surgeon. Young man was in his early 30s. He'd finished medical school and specialized training. And of course, I don't know what surgeons look like in 1895, but you know, probably pretty barbaric that we would say, hey, pretty, pretty simple, you know. Probably didn't know a whole lot of things, just what medicine allowed him to know at that time. But, but no doubt he was a very famed surgeon and no doubt he was a very important person because doctors have always been important to us. And this young man had been so connected to the ministry there and Spurgeon had developed this relationship and all of a sudden the surgeon just kind of became too busy for the church scene. His life began to fall apart. He lost his marriage. Right after that, his estranged and divorced wife died. And it was out of that heartache that Spurgeon reached back out to the young surgeon to try to reconnect with him and find out what's going on. And over discussion, Spurgeon's notes record so vividly this incredible encounter. And it was out of that heartbreak of this young surgeon trying to explain to, to, to Charles Spurgeon, I'm too busy for God, I'm too busy for church. I'm working seven days a week. I'm doing surgery after surgery. I'm trying to save as many people as I can. I'm, I'm after doing a humanitarian work that he finally looks across a table at his old pastor and says, Dr. Surgeon, I want you to understand it's the surgeon that holds the scalpel. 
Charles Haddon Spurgeon, after a moment of silence, got up, pushed himself up from the table and stood, looked at the young surgeon and says, I've done my best to try to convince you how important your connectivity to God really is. You've lost your wife in two dimensions. Your life is obviously completely out of balance. And here you stand making this incredible quote, I'm too busy for God. It's the surgeon that holds the scalpel. And Spurgeon says, young man, what you say is true. It is a surgeon that holds the scalpel. But I remind you that it's God that holds the surgeon. And with those words, he simply walked away. So what could I say today to a contractor, to a roofer, to a coach, to an attorney? To, just the list goes on and on. Nothing. Nothing. is more important in your life, outside of your consummation of your relationship with the Lord Jesus, than renewal. Because two things that I can tell you with certainty they're going to happen in a repetitive way in your life whether you like it or not the world is going to throw all kinds of things at you that you weren't expecting and you will from time to time unfortunately transgress misstep and sin there is but one solution and that is our God and I apologize to you today a little bit. I know it wasn't a skinny jean kind of day. It wasn't real fluffy and fancy today. But that today is a word from the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, I just want to thank you for these moments. And I thank you ahead of time for what we're about to see. We're about to see the future in just a moment as our chairman of our building committee comes um, we will see the future and father I just pray that um, we don't get so wrapped up in the incredible things that are happening on the exterior without going to that boiler room every single morning every single day of our lives whether it's the first thing a teacher does when she gets to her desk whether it's the first thing that a construction man does before he ever starts his day, that, Father, we, every single day we'll understand, hey, the catalyst today for me is renewal. It's a clean start. It's a fresh beginning. It's being my mind renewed, a steadfast spirit, uh, a, a, a sense of strength when I'm already exhausted, and the ability to go on, but not just the ability to survive, but the ability to thrive. And Father, today, as we ask these things, I know it will take tremendous discipline, tremendous sense in our lives of sacrifice to make this happen. But Father, I'm gonna keep praying for 100% the Oakland Heights family to make that commitment and say, we're gonna spend time every single day with the Lord. 
And Father, I know, I know because your word reveals that to us, it's going to make a difference in marriages. It's going to make the difference in the student's life. It will transmit out into our community. People will begin saying, hey, there's something different about those folks over at Oakland Heights. Something different about them. And it won't be our bumper stickers and it won't be a brand new multi-million dollar campus. But what it will be is every single day, that time alone in the boiler room where all the power is generated. Father, I pray for the husbands and the dads that are here today. Create in them the ability to be the great spiritual warriors that they were called to be. Father, I pray for our moms and the ladies that are in this room today. Creating them the ability to be that formidable glue that's so important in so many dimensions of our lives. Father, I again pray for a team that's thousands of miles away from us today that are about to take their first steps in sharing the gospel on a whole different continent. Father, I just want you to know today that we love you, we worship you. Thank you for this time. Father, we hear your word in our hearts today. And these things we pray in Jesus' name.